Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 30 through 47 here in a moment. We've been working through the Gospel of John, and one of the, what we saw last week, right, was the, the, the wonderful picture of Jesus as our humble judge. And that believing in Jesus as the humble judge of the world is the only way to not be judgmental. It's the path to love. And so today, what Jesus is going to um, lay out his case for why you should believe that he is the judge. Uh, he's he's going to call witnesses to the stand. Essentially, he's calling the scriptures, uh, calling us to believe the scriptures this morning. They're telling the truth. And so let's, let's hear Jesus present his witnesses to persuade you to trust him. This is verses 30 through 47 of chapter 5. This is God's word. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me, that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And this is God's word. Uh, he has spoken to us today in love, as Jesus said, so that you may be saved. So let, let's pray. Father, may we be moved this morning to see Jesus, hear, his vo hear your voice, Father, and, and, and trust the one whom you sent. Help us care more about the only eyes that matter, you, the one and only God, so that we might seek that glory that only comes from you. So this morning, show us the beauty, uh, show us the truth, uh, open our hearts that we might see wondrous things in the gospel today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, how does the Bible function in your life? 
it a, a source of guilt, right? It's just a, a paperweight on a shelf collecting dust. <laughs> um, or maybe to you or to people you know, it's, it's a collection of myths with really good morals, a bit like Aesop's fables. Or maybe it's what you open up to, to read to find some inspiration to give you yeah, just a, something that feels good for the day. Right? Or maybe it's just a path to become a good person. So when, what we just read, you know, just in the context of Jesus defending himself, is he, he gives us what Jesus believes about Scripture. Right? His views of what the Bible is and how we ought to read them and how we ought to be affected by them. And the one thing he says that's really surprising is he says, you cannot have God's love in you without believing that the Bible is true and telling the truth. Which is not something I would naturally connect, right? That you cannot know experientially, personally, have, have the love of God in you apart from believing and trusting the testimony of the Scriptures. Right? And so if last week we saw that you, you cannot truly love another person without believing in divine judgment, this week is telling us you can't know a God of love, the God of love, without believing that the, that the Bible's telling the truth about reality. And so, this is where we're at this morning, this is what I want to meditate on, it's from this text that... Um, the basic Christianity, this basic idea that's easy to talk about and hard to live out, <laughs> uh, that, that to trust Jesus is to trust the Bible, and to trust the Bible is to trust Jesus. And if you're going to obey Jesus, you have to obey the Scriptures. Right? And so what I want to do is let, let Jesus work on our, our doctrine, our understanding of what the Bible is as we hear him defend himself. And so... Point number one says you have to believe the Bible is true. And if you're looking at this text, right, Jesus says there are functionally two different ways to read the Bible. One, you can read it as if it's about you and what you must do. That's what the Jewish leaders are doing, right? You, seek, you search the scriptures so that in them you might find eternal life. Or you read the Bible as if it's a story about what God has done to send Jesus, right? It's, the Bible is testimony as to why you should trust Jesus. And so if you're going to take option one, right, to read it like the Jewish leaders who, are, um, who believe the Scriptures are there to tell them what to do to get eternal life, right? They've internalized what Moses said about the law, do this and you shall live. I mean, these are guys that we would have a lot of agreement with as Bible-believing Christians. I mean, they, these are the kind of people that have a, a God said it, that settles it bumper sticker, just, you know, on their donkey, not, not their dodge. <laughs> All right? I mean, if you were to say the, God's Word is true, it's trustworthy, it's authoritative, this is where you hear God speak to us, the Jewish leaders would absolutely say Amen. They could, in good conscience, read Psalm 19 with us, right? And yet, because the, the lens through which they read the Bible is essentially about what I must do to save myself, um, it's, it's about my goodness, my works, about 
pleasing, keeping my end of the covenant with, with the living God, right? As Jesus says, you search the scriptures, not looking for me, but looking for what you must do. I would argue that's why they're so angry, so quick to, to be violent. Because they're misreading the Bible. They think it's about what they must do. Primarily, right? There is stuff to do. Don't, mis- don't misquote me. Right? Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. In other words, Jesus says to these Bible scholars, you don't know how to hear God's voice in the book that he wrote and speaks to you. Now, if you're here thinking, and, or you know people who think like this, that the Bible's an old book, and, and how can you trust something that's written by flawed, selfish humans? Um, you know, how, can, how, do we, how is it that we as modern people can base our hope on such an ancient book? And I, I think you can make a case that the skeptics of the Bible today have a lot in common with Jesus' opponents in this text. Because look at verse 44. Right? Jesus says, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You know, one of the, the barriers that everyone has to believing the gospel, to trusting God's witness in the scriptures, um, is, is, is we care too much about what other people think. Right? We, we live for the glory and acceptance that you get from your peers, your culture, your community. And because our culture believes one thing, it makes it really, really hard to believe something else that God says is true. Right? And, and that's what's happening here with Jesus' opponents. Uh, the, you know, the reason they don't trust Jesus, the reason they're rejecting his testimony, even though they've had miracles done right in front of them, is because they love the applause in their echo chamber. Right? It's, it's a bunch of people in the same culture saying, you believe exactly what we do. Good job. Right? I think that this is, a, this is a very real difficulty for anyone, any modern person, anybody who opens the Bible you're going to find a God who tells you that you believe the wrong things. And the things you do believe have been formed by your family, by your culture, by the world in which you live. Whose testimony are you going to believe? And one of the biggest barriers we have to believe, like Derek Thomas says, that the Bible has a pulse and that through every word God speaks with authority and that we should obey the Bible is what people around us think and what they say and how they judge, how they condemn us, right? or might condemn us, or what may all be in our head. <laughs> right? So listen to Jesus' loving confrontation this morning. Right? It's a, I want to be liked is another way of saying you seek glory from one another. And if that's the case, if you have, there, I'm not saying the Bible is easy to read, there are difficult parts. Um, but if we're that shaped by the community in which we live, that should give us pause when we have doubts because our doubts are formed by flawed human creatures, other people. 
Right? So think about it. If you're, if you're a Middle Eastern person and you open the Bible, there is zero, you have zero reason to doubt what the Bible teaches about who you should marry and where sex belongs. Right? Because you just, that's, that's what your community thinks. Right? But when they read the Bible and, and, it, and hear Jesus say, you should love your enemies, you should forgive those who've harmed you, you should forgive those who've killed your father, right? that is absolutely outrageous. Because of the culture in which they live. Right? Now the Jews re- reject Jesus, at least these Jewish leaders are rejecting Jesus because they all read the Bible the same way that has been culturally influenced, which is teaching them that we must do everything right in order to get the Messiah to come. And so whatever objections we have with the Scriptures, whatever objections our neighbors have, um, so you're just skeptical and slow to believe the Bible is true, at the root of unbelief is just look around. Look at the peer pressure you're under. Right? Now, the, the historically Christian doctrine of Scripture comes, from, comes directly from Jesus Christ. As he says, here you hear my Father's voice. Uh, it is God speaking to us, and that's why you ought to obey. Right? We'll, we'll look more closely at this, but the reason, John Stott says, the reason why the church has historically said the Bible is my only rule for faith and practice, you know, the reason we submit to Scripture is because it's God's witness, it is God speaking to us. And we do that because the Lord Jesus Christ did. He submitted to the Scriptures, therefore so do we. Right? So, now, with that introduction, let's, let's jump in and say, okay, Jesus, how does this work? Right? He's calling us to trust His witnesses, and I want you to see how this is all intertwined with, you have to believe the Scriptures are true. Right, so if you go back to the beginning of the passage and hear what Jesus is doing, right, first, Jesus is make, he is making unparalleled claims about himself. Don't miss that. Right, so J. Gresham Machen, right, he says no religion genius, religious genius has ever made claims like this. Because Jesus is talking about himself, the Son of Man will speak and the dead will rise from their tombs. He says, the, the way through divine judgment is through me. He has the audacity to say, my judgment is just. Because I'm not about what I want, I'm about what my Father wants. I'm an impartial judge. And so Jesus, in the context here, he has the awareness to say, All right, okay, this is, this is, these are huge claims, unparalleled claims. And he says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. And he's probably tapping into the scriptural idea that you cannot convict anyone apart from the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's from Deuteronomy 17. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm not the only one saying these things. It's right in front of your face if you're listening and if you're seeing. Verse 32 There's another one who bears witness about me, probably talking about his father. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. And then Jesus goes on 
to make his defense, and he lists four witnesses to, to the truth of who he is. So let's, let's look at these four witnesses here in the text. The first one up is that Jesus calls to the stand, so to speak, uh, is John the Baptist. Right? Jesus says, hey, you guys respected John for at least a little bit. Right? He was a witness to the truth. Right? Here's a guy who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John chapter 1. Now, he was a burning lamp. He wasn't the light of the world, but he shined a light. What, this was John's ministry. I'm not the guy. Jesus is. Right? And, and the heart, if you, if you go back in, in all the Gospels, if you read what John the Baptist was preaching and teaching, the heart of his message was God's promises in the Scriptures are true, and they're being fulfilled in front of your face. Right? The Lamb of God. Where do you get that idea? That's, that's an Old Testament Exodus Passover image. When John the Baptist preached about God's wrath, about fire and chaff and dividing humanity in two, and because of this coming person being Jesus, the Messiah, he's just echoing the Old Testament prophets. He's stealing their imagery. He'll quote from Malachi, the, the prophet. I mean, John's testimony... Uh, implied is Jesus is the one that the scriptures are about, follow him. And then Jesus goes on to say, his testimony was great, mine is greater. <laughs> because it's backed up by my works, and that's the second witness he calls. Right? Why should you trust Jesus? Well, look at what he's done. Functionally, talking about his miracles, the signs. But look at how this works. Right? So we'll come back to John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was in prison for calling the king Herod, uh, called, him, called him out on his creepy adultery, right? He, he stole and married his brother's wife. And so because of that, he was arrested and eventually beheaded. But while John was in prison languishing, he started to have doubts. Jesus, are you really the one who is to come? And that's what he did. He sent some messengers to Jesus to find out. Right? Life stinks right now. God is, Jesus, is your word true? Are you trustworthy? And Jesus responded to him in Matthew, guys, go tell John what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Right? Jesus says, look at my works. The works explicitly have, that have been foretold by the scriptures. Now, Jesus just quoted Isaiah 35, back to John. Isaiah 35 talks about someday in the future when you're going to see the glory of the Lord, and then the, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the, the mute shall sing, and Later in Isaiah, it says the dead are going to live, and Isaiah 61 says, hey, the Spirit of God is upon me to bring good news to the poor. Jesus says, that is me. Right? So even as Jesus says, my works testify to the truth of who I am, you can't disconnect those works from the Scriptures. They're not just naked displays of power. They're Jesus fulfilling God's promises to right what is wrong, to turn the wilderness into a garden, into paradise. 
to make sad things come untrue. And so part of Jesus' testimony here is, look at my works. This is, my testimony is greater than John. He didn't do these things. <laughs> and then, then he calls the Father to the stand. He says, the Father who has sent me has borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, and that's why you don't believe. And it sounds an awful lot like when, when the scriptures were given, right? Moses, in the Old Testament, received the covenant. He received God speaking to him, but none of the people saw God. None, when they did hear God's voice, they're like, yeah, we don't want to hear that again. Moses, you talk to him. And what Jesus goes on to say, seems to be implying here, is that where, do, where in the world do you hear God the Father speak? And he seems to, to say, as he goes on to the next passage, uh, the Father speaks, and you hear his voice in the Scriptures. Right. So the Father is the one who sent me. He's got my back. And then this is where it culminates at the end of the, the chapter here, as Jesus makes the connection between believing the testimony of his Father, which would be the testimony of the Scriptures, which would be the testimony of John the Baptist and his works. <laughs> you do not have the love of God within you because you do not receive me. And you do not receive me because you read the Scriptures looking for eternal life for yourself. You're not looking to the Messiah, you're looking for yourself. And so, do you see what's at stake in all of this? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, Jesus has set the stakes really high. That to know God, to, to receive his love, to have his love abiding in you, you have to have the same doctrine of Scripture as Jesus. All right? So if you start to piece this together, what does Jesus believe about the Bible? Specifically the Old Testament, right? Because the New Testament hasn't been written yet. This is, this is the law, the prophets, the writings, the Old Testament scriptures. I mean, the first thing Jesus believes clearly is that, that when, you, when this is read, God is speaking to you. The Father's voice testifies to Jesus. And notice, it's really interesting that Joseph, uh, Jesus, is, <laughs> Jesus is able to say uh, that Moses wrote the scriptures and it is God the Father speaking. Right? Same time. Right? God working through flawed human beings to, to reveal his perfect will. That's why J.I. Packer would say the, 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 the scripture is simply God communicating, it's God talking, it's God teaching. It's God preaching, it's God telling you, and all Bible, other Bible readers and hearers everywhere, the things you need to know about him that call right here, call you to believe right here and now. They call, call for faith, worship, and obedience. They call for prayer, praise, and practice. They call you to devote yourself, to deny yourself, and to discipline yourself to serve this God. But it starts with God speaking. So, are you listening when you read, when you hear? The second thing Jesus believes about scriptures is they tell the truth. Uh, the, 
They bear witness to the truth. And then third, that the scriptures should persuade you to believe the witness about Christ himself, even as you distrust yourself. All right. So, in other words, Jesus, what does Jesus believe about the Bible? It's all about the Messiah, and the Messiah is him. Um, now, I've preached on this a fair amount in the last eight years, but the most common mistake people make when reading the Scriptures is making about what we must do and about our glory, rather than what Jesus says, seeking the, the true glory that comes from the only God in verse 44. All right? Now, the, the Bible seems what, this is what Jesus believed. This is why he came and why he did what he did. Uh, right? What Jesus says about Scripture, it's the written testimony of, of a God who creates and redeems a runaway creation. Right? And that's, you can start with what Moses wrote. Right? Jesus warns these guys, Moses is going to accuse you for your unbelief. So what, what would Moses show them? Let's just do this thought experiment. What would Moses show you to persuade you that the Scriptures are true and that it's all about the Messiah and the Messiah is Jesus? Right? Moses right, wrote Genesis through Deuteronomy. I imagine he goes straight back to Genesis 3.15, the very first promise. Right? That, that one day a son of Adam, a son of Eve, is going to be a a snake-crushing king who's going to undo the curse. He's going to undo what's wrong with this world. He's going to do perfectly where Adam failed. Right? So Genesis begins by saying, God's going to send somebody to rescue, and he's going to be human. Right? So some kind of royal, evil-crushing person. Or maybe Moses would bring up Deuteronomy 18 that says, hey, a prophet's coming that's like me but better, so trust that prophet. Right? I'm not the one who's the answer to all of your hopes and dreams. I'm not, I'm not the Genesis 3.15 guy. You, know, you could probably take another portrait of Moses as priest. I mean, over and over again, in the, if you get read from Exodus to Deuteronomy, Moses is constantly praying for a, a really grumpy, unbelieving people constantly interceding. When Israel screws up, Moses prays for God to forgive them. And that, that portrait of a, a priest who stands in the gap between sinful people and a holy God, that becomes a pattern that, that the later scriptures will say, hey, we're looking for a guy like that, whose priesthood will last forever, according to Psalm 110. Right? And if you read through the scriptures at every seam, every transition, there's a reminder, hey, remember what Moses told us, right? When you get to the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy ends, it's like a, an editorial note, right? Uh, there has not yet, even today, been a prophet like Moses. Just a way of saying, keep looking, keep searching for the Messiah. Uh, Joshua is told, hey, meditate on the scriptures day and night, it'll make you strong and courageous, but you got to meditate on the law of Moses, which includes the promises. Right? We hear that as, oh, this is what you got to do, but don't forget the promise. Um, the book of Kings. How are the kings judged? It's based on the law of Moses. They're either like the promised king 
The closest we've got so far is David, but he's not the guy because he's a mess. And so they're constantly evaluated on the law of Moses. When you get to Malachi, the end of the prophets, it's a reminder, it just comes with a reminder, hey, meditate again on the law of Moses while you wait for the coming messenger of the Lord. Uh, Psalms. Begin, Psalm 1, meditate on the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man who who does this. And then, right, so you got to meditate on Moses again. But then Psalm 2 says, okay, okay, this person is also a a perfect king who's going to destroy God's enemies. Take refuge in him. He's, He's the Messiah, the anointed one. And when you get to the last book of the Hebrew Scriptures, right, one that uh, people love to meditate on devotionally, Chronicles, <laughs> right? Because it starts with <clears throat> nine chapters of genealogy. It's just retelling the whole story from Adam to Moses to the exile to go to the guy, the last line of David. It just mentions he's still alive, the promise is not dead, go up to Jerusalem. In other words, just go wait. Go wait on Moses again. And so when Jesus says, hey, you diligently search the scriptures, how can you miss the portrait of the Messiah, which is me? I'm the one Moses foretold. I mean, there's, there's a lot more. I have a picture to show you all the connections just so you can see the beauty of what we're talking about. It should be projected there. I've shown this before when I teach, teach on the scriptures, but it's a, a visual artist that is just highlighting all the cross-references. And you can see the big rainbow connecting Genesis to Revelation that is telling the same story. And I can go into more detail on how this thing works, but right, if Jesus is saying you diligently search the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are all connected, and they're all telling one story about Jesus, you can see that the Bible is so simple that a child can understand, this is how I know God loves me. Our three-year-old can sing, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. And all those with big brains, right, you have a lifetime to just scratch the surface of how God has revealed himself, to see all the interconnectedness, to see how God promised a portrait of Jesus in every book of the Old Testament. And so I say all this so that we see and believe that Jesus trusted the scriptures, he believed the scriptures, he lived out the scriptures, and that's going to lead us to the table. We just ask you, do you have that view of the Bible so that when you open it up, God's speaking to you and he wants you to see Jesus? He's telling you to do things for sure. Um, and that's, that's the second half of the gospel, right? Because God did this, therefore, this is how you shall live. But, you know, part, the Christian view of the scriptures is we believe Jesus is the Messiah because he looked really familiar because we've seen the promises in the Old Testament. So, will the scriptures accuse you? Because on the one hand, we should be a people of the book, who hear God's voice, who trust him and obey him. We should be the kind of people that don't seek the glory from our peers, but seek the the glory that comes from the only true living God. And if we're all brutally honest, I'm much more concerned often about what other people think, more so than what God thinks. And so when we read the scriptures, they accuse us. 
right? You find out there's someone on the other side who's not just telling you what to believe, who's, who's reading you. And that's what's happening right now, even as we hear Jesus say, the testimony of Scripture is true. Do you, do you trust me? Right? Now, where, where do you go to seek the glory that comes from the only God, as Jesus tells us to do. It's verse, again, 44, right? Don't, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Where do you go? Right? You have to go to where Jesus says you get glory. And glory in the Gospel of John, well, this is what Jesus prays on the night before he dies. Right? Thank you, Father. I desire that you would glorify them with the glory that I've had before the foundation of the world. And, and where does Jesus get glory? He is glorified when he's lifted up on the cross, fulfilling the scriptures. Right. You know what, what Jesus is doing so that you might have the love of God is letting the scriptures shape his story. Because he's this perfect son of God who listens to his father's voice. Right? When, when you look at Jesus on the cross, you don't see a person who seeks his own will. Right? You see a person who again and again is bleeding the Bible. Right? You see him forgiving his enemies, loving his neighbor. Father, forgive them for they know what they do. He says, I thirst, quoting Psalm 69, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. I mean, you just run down all the line and you read, read the Gospel of John. Right? His legs weren't broken to fulfill a different psalm that not one of his bones will be broken. Right? You see Jesus just embodying Isaiah 53 that it was the Father's will for him to suffer so that you might be loved, receive the love that he has had for eternity. And as you watch him being pierced for your transgressions and crushed for your iniquities, this is Jesus submitting to the scriptures, doing his Father's will, so that you might receive the glory, the acceptance, the reception from God the Father that is better than you can imagine. You're declared righteous, but you're given this love, as Jesus says, the love that he's had throughout all of eternity, that's infinitely satisfying. The way you get there, right, the foundational doctrine is to believe that the Bible is true and it's telling you what to do. You've got to trust the Father's voice in Scripture. And so, you know, that's the question this morning is, do you? Um, you know, I, I had, um, in your reflection, Michael Kruger, right, he says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might, be, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. You want to tell if you have a robust doctrine of Scripture, you let God disagree with you. Right? You let him say, yeah. You can say, yeah, he's the creator, and I need to align my will with his. Jesus already did that for me. Softens the blow, so to speak. Right? Now, as we come to the table this morning, this is my encouragement, is to, 
to let the scriptures bring you to the foot of the cross, um, lead you to Jesus who submitted to the scripture, even when it meant going through hell so that you might receive heaven, to have the love of the Father. Now let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the gift of grace. We're thankful for your word that explains what that grace is and how we might receive it. And so I pray for all of us this morning that we might hear your word, hear your voice, and believe. May we know your love for moral failures so that we might be more concerned about your glory and in turn leave this place ready and willing from now on to obey Jesus' voice as we hear him in Scripture. And so may Hope Church continue to be a, a, a place where we testify that the stories are all true. And we know they're true because the tomb of Jesus is empty and we have the testimony of the Scriptures um, telling us that that is so. So deepen our faith this morning, we pray, as we come and, and prepare to eat with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite the elders to come forward. As we prepare to come to the table, right, I'm, I'm hoping you heard this morning uh, that this is not a meal for the perfect. Uh, this is a meal for those who have taken Jesus' word seriously, that the scriptures are true. And that we're coming as moral failures who have put our trust in the perfect Savior. So if that is you, you know, even if you, you, you blew it this morning, right? This is not a meal for those who were perfect 10 minutes ago. This is a meal for those who've trusted Christ. And so come, come and eat and, and, and have your, your soul nourished as you, as you feast on the grace of God given to us in his Son. Uh, we would also invite all those who are members of a, a we, we ask you to be a member or a, a participant in a community that speaks the same good news, right? That you have a church that, that knows you and can say, yeah, they do believe the scriptures. They do trust Jesus. I would encourage you to come, right? This is, this is a Christian table. It's not just a Hope Church table. So come and eat. Uh, come and, and, and uh, f- come to the table as we sang this morning where enemies are seated together as friends in Christ. And so here, here are the words of institution from, from Paul. And we're doing, again, what the Scriptures tell us to do. Jesus told us to do this. And Paul said that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us remember Jesus this morning. But not only to remember Jesus, Lord, but that your spirit would be here with us so that we might commune with him. That you would bless us with your presence, you would bless us with the power of the gospel, you would bless us with your grace, you would bless us with belief 
And, and Lord, we ask this morning that you would just heal our wounded hearts that have become cynical because of sin, uh, that we would not repeat the mistake of Adam and, and wonder if your, God, if your word tells the truth, but we would be a people that look at Jesus and say, see that all your promises are true and that this is just a, a foretaste of the great future to come. And so be with us this morning as we eat and drink and, and be growing faith in us. And be, as we, you grow faith in us, would you grow a desire to obey that we would be faithful sons as Jesus is faithful, sons and daughters. Uh, we, we pray this in Christ's name.